Welcome all to episode 8 of Sharing Life Lessons. I am your host Hamida and I want to bring you stories. Because stories inspire, stories teach and stories heal. As I mentioned in the last episode, I was not going to be able to publish last week's episode because we were going away on a family vacation because my kids had spring break and I really, really missed that. I'm so excited to be back and I'm so excited to be publishing another episode this week. But before I uh, introduce my our guest for today, obviously I need to be talking and I want to be talking about the COVID-19 situation that we are in. We are all hearing so much about it. And so I will not tell you or I will not discuss anything that we already know. What I want to do is talk about or read out different perspectives, not the perspective that social media is giving us, not the perspective that the government is giving us, not the perspective that the National Institute of Health is giving us, but perspectives of individuals that differ from this um, mayhem of information that we are getting. And I want to start this by telling you something that happened between my son Avi and myself right before the spring break started and right before we went away on vacation. Avi sat me down and when we have something important to tell each other, we sit each other down. And so Avi sat me down and he said that he was very satisfied with the way, and he's a junior in high school, so he said he was very satisfied with the way his junior year was going, but he also felt that he had one last chance to bring up all of his grades because it is the junior year's grades that really count for college admissions. And so he said for the second half of his junior year, he wants to be able to bring it up a notch. And for that, he needs to do some planning. And for that, he needs to do some thinking. And he said, Mommy, you may feel like I'm not doing a lot of work this week, but know that I am in my head and on my computer planning the rest of my junior year. In a sense, he said, Mommy, I need to reset. That was very heartwarming. I was glad that he was um, thinking about this. He was planning. He had this under control. But just a couple of days ago, I thought about this episode and I said, hmm, reset. I need a reset. Maybe that's exactly what we all need. And that's exactly what COVID-19 is offering to all of us, a reset of our lives. Maybe our lives is going too fast. Maybe it's going um, without a plan. Maybe there is too much chaos in it. And maybe COVID-19 is that medium through which the universe is asking all of us to pause to step back and to reset. Here is a readout of a writing that my dear friend Laura Hernandez sent to me. Unfortunately, I can't give credit for it to anyone because it is written by an anonymous person. 
but this is the way it goes. And the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being and was still and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows and the people began to think differently. And the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed and the people joined together again, they grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. We can only hope that what the author has envisioned in this writing actually turns out to be true. And when COVID-19 is abolished from the face of this earth really, really soon, it would have left behind a lot of healing. Our um, guest for today is actually going to be talking to us about something related. She's going to be talking to us about grief and about her healing mechanisms. She lives in far northern California, writes daily, and travels when she can. Her newest book of poems, One Mother's Revolution, is an attempt to make sense of the current state of the world through poetry. Everyone, welcome Anne Frick. And I am so happy to have you on the show. Before you tell us your story, can you please tell us something more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Um, I am a, a mother of three daughters. I'm a wife, a poet, an author, a storyteller, a podcaster. I perform poetry regularly and I host a Storytellers Open Mic. And I also created and host the podcast Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. And from that, I have also um, just recently publish a book. It's a writing journal for parents and caregivers on the journey of raising children with special needs. And that is called There's Joy to Be Found Here. And that is full of my own experiences and mostly writing prompts to help other parents write about their experiences. I'm really excited to be on this podcast. So you are everything I am not. You have (laughs) the entire creative side of writing and authoring Uh, I think in everything you've said, the only thing you and I have in common is podcasting because I come from um, the very math uh, and financial background. I've been working in banks for over 20 years. So (laughs) I think this is going to be a very interesting dialogue. That being said, Anne, please tell us your story. As far as um, where what's gotten me to really to the clarity that I that I have now in my life and the inspiration for the work that I do. Um, there were two things that really kind of rocked my world um, and brought me, you know, brought me the clarity that I have. And uh, this was about eight years ago. Well, first my my brother got a diagnosis of cancer, and then a year later my my mother did, and uh, they're both alive and well today. So. Um, you know, that that turned out well. But um, then my father, who was 57 at the time and was, you know, the, the man that took me out in the woods and took me fishing and coached my softball team and took me hiking and, um, you know, was very active. And he had a, a stroke. I was 14 weeks pregnant with my second child and he had a very debilitating stroke and he has never been the same person. And, um, 
as far as his abilities to to physically get around to speak to you know it's just it really um it really was a life changer and that happened and then um the child that I was pregnant with when that happened um, when she was born she was born with a genetic disorder called Prader-Willi syndrome and she didn't get diagnosed till she was three and a half months but um you know so there was a lot of grief in that year and a lot of questioning uh you know my dad had a stroke but we didn't know how just how severe it was gonna be for him and then you know I, I gave birth to this baby who was struggling in so many ways and we didn't understand why and so there was just a lot of uh, a lot of struggles and a lot of grief for a while, and um, you know it it was uh, I was it took me five years to be able to talk about my dad without crying or um, you know people would ask me how the, how he was doing and I would just brush him off say you know I don't know or because I just I couldn't face it I couldn't talk about it I couldn't deal with the grief and it it wasn't until five years after it happened that I got up on stage and I performed a five minute poem that I had written about him. And that was the first time that I was ever able to really talk about him and not cry and not brush it off. And so it was really powerful to be able to, to share my dad in that way with all of these people. And when I was done, so many people came up to me afterwards to express sentiments of you know, that was beautiful. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry this happened, but there were other people that had their own stories that were, you know, that they could commiserate with and that I was able to form this, this little connection with them through these stories. And, uh, it was just, it was a really powerful experience for me in that way. And, um, you know, the same with, uh, with having a child with special needs. The first time that I, the first poem that I wrote about my daughter uh, she was probably about three years old and um, I, I performed this poem on stage and it so happened that her speech therapist was there. And when I came down off the stage, her, her therapist came up to me and hugged me and she was crying and, you know, oh, that was so beautiful. And the next day I walked into speech because Freya had her session that day. And this woman told me how that poem had changed the way that she sees her job, that she, that it brought more humanity to it. And that, you know, she she realized that there was more to her job than just sitting at the table and going through this paperwork, the parents and, and all this bureaucratic stuff. And she was able to glimpse a side, you know, she was able to glimpse it from from being on the other side of the table. And that that, you know, as the parent and that really opened her eyes a bit. And so that was just another really powerful example of you know, sharing our stories and, you know, whether we, whether we write a poem and perform it on stage or whether we just share it with a friend or, or a stranger, we meet sitting at a bus stop, you know, these, our stories are, are how we make connections. Thank you, Anne, for so, so openly sharing with us your two life events that actually caused you grief in your life. And your grief was not even short-lived. You actually were grieving for a good five years. Now, um, some some people think or relate grief to just a, a death or a loss of a friend or a family. But that's not what... Mayo Clinic says, if you look it up and you say, what is grief in Mayo Clinic? It says grief is a strong, sometimes overwhelming emotion for people, regardless of whether their sadness stems 
uh, from the loss that includes the death of a loved one, the ending of an important relationship, job loss, loss through theft, or the loss of independence through disability. And this is not an exhaustive list. Uh, any myriad of things could happen in your life which could cause you grief. And it is okay. It's Nothing is too small or too big to cause you grief. Now, why um, I'm telling you this is because we are all also in this situation where we see COVID-19 impacting so many people in so many ways, including impacting us with social distancing. And um, some may be able to handle that, that better than the others. It seems like the youth are not able to handle it very well and they feel like we're writing them we're writing a death sentence for them by asking them to socially distance themselves um, that could cause grief to them and everyone also has this healing mechanism from grief which really and found in writing and performing poetry so and tell us what really changed when you wrote and you rec recited and performed poetry? So what changed was that, you know, I, I wrote this poem and there's a lot of memories in this poem, but I didn't get up on stage and read it from the paper. I performed it. So that meant that I, that I uh, memorized it, but I, in memorizing it, I had to go over this poem and I had to keep, um, you know, keep reading through these memories. And I really had to face all of these these beautiful but painful memories and so i i couldn't just brush things off or or ignore them i had to i really wanted to do this poem well and i um so it, it was really it was really healing to to sit with this and to to remember all of these things and to come to this conclusion that 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 i came to in the poem about just what a what a beautiful, you know how painful it is what's happened, but um, it, you know it's what the, I have these beautiful memories and this this beautiful experience of being raised by such a a fabulous father. So you know just really having this to sit with it all and, and face it. Um, that's really what uh, got me able, you know, helped me move through it and um, be able to talk about it. That is that is powerful, uh, and and the reason why I resonate with it so much is because um, my dad passed away in two thousand fourteen. Uh, may his soul rest in peace. And he mm -hmm. was my hero. He did many things that your dad did with you. He he took me with uh, him everywhere. We did yoga together. He taught me how to bicycle. He taught me how to even ride the motorcycle. And he taught me how, how to horse ride. He's the one who uh, made me adventurous and actually taught me how to take risks in life. He was the one who, if I said, oh, I'm going for a hike, and he would say, yeah, but where's the risk in it? Go on a motorcycle ride. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I, I fully understand um, what you may have gone through. Uh, but can I, if I would really like for you to share a little bit of the poem with us, if you can. Yes, yeah. So it's a long poem, but if I, um, to give you a taste, so I can, I can give you like the first stanza and then the last stanza, how it That'd all comes be great. together. That'd be beautiful. 
Okay, so it starts off. He is the shining knight of my youth, donning dark blue polyester baseball shorts, too short for any sensible man in his 30s. My provider, my protector, and a pseudo Fu Manchu style mustache dribbling down his chin like moss on an oak tree. And then it just goes through all of these memories and some get a little more serious. And um, Can you, you know, share got... one memory with us? Yeah. Um, uh, one specific memory or, or another one from the poem? Another one from the poem. Um, so yeah, he, he is a man rumbling down the road in a rusted out beat up pickup truck, dragging a bass boat and singing Jim Croce songs laughingly out of tune. And I, every time I hear Jim Croce, I think of my dad and I think about these, these fishing trips that we would go on and just the two of us and his, in his beat up truck. And he's, you know, he's got his bass boat dragging behind the truck. And, uh, we always had Jim Croce playing and he would sing and, you know, he wasn't the best singer, but we just always had so much fun singing together, driving past cornfields in Indiana. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, that's beautiful. And, and then you were going to take us to the last stanza. Yeah. <clears throat> he is the man who reminds me of crisp autumn mornings, warming cold feet by the campfire, hash and eggs for dinner, sitting stoically in a boat on a calm, quiet, shimmering lake, backpacking in thunderstorms and snow. The man who blessed me with the knowledge of safety, security, pride, and unconditional love. And if my daughters remember me as fondly as I remember him, then my life will have been as meaningful as his. That is really heartwarming. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah, it still gets me a little, <laughs> a little choked up. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, it gave me the chills too, though. <laughs> and and then, then you were talking about how you also performed a poem for your daughter. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, I've performed a few poems, but this first one was just really <clears throat> kind of trying to express uh, what it's like in the beginning when you get a diagnosis and how you just, you know, you have this baby and then you get a diagnosis and they just, their future is shattered, you know, in yeah. a way. Yeah. And I titled it, um, I had seen on Facebook or some social media, this little meme about um, this Japanese art form called Kintsugi. And it's where you take the uh, you have pieces of this broken pottery and you glue the pieces back together with gold or with silver. And the idea is that the history of, of the object is, is, is still there. The story is still there and it's even more beautiful because it, it was previously broken. And uh, so that I kind of use that metaphor in a way to, to, come to terms with having this this child and, you know we have all these 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 expectations and you know oh this it, my kid's gonna do this or that and then you know you get this diagnosis and then doctors are saying well this isn't gonna happen or they're not gonna do this or this is how their life's gonna go and so just mostly just trying to to understand that myself and, ex and express 
that experience. I see. And then, and then, and you, so just staying with that a bit, because it seems to me that you're using poem as your form of expression to express or to help you in your grieving process. Am I interpreting this correctly? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Very much writing is my, uh, is my therapy. It is my meditation. It is my counselor. Um, so, and, and poetry is, is one form of writing that I use, but it is the most special to me. I, I write short stories. I write, I've written a novel. I write in a variety of genres, but, but when I really need to tackle these, these really intense emotions, poetry is how I tend to do that. And then when you do that, what, what does that do to you internally? Does it make you come to terms with what you're going through? In a way, yeah. Well, it clears it out. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, like these experiences are so, like the thing with my dad, you know, I just kept pushing things down, pushing them aside. And, th- you know, these, these feelings and these memories, they were all just getting kind of like shoved in a corner you know, and I wasn't really looking at them. So writing this poem was a way to like bring them all out and dust them off and, 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 you know, re display them for myself again. And then, so there's the writing part and then the performing part, which is in a way, you know, sharing our stories. The the performing is a whole other aspect to it. And which I, you know, I've just like, just been the last four years that I've been performing poetry and that's a whole that adds a whole other element of of sharing what what you've written excuse me sharing what you've written and uh so yeah there's there's a lot to it but but the writing part is really finding the clarity really because there's things that I write that I don't really understand why they upset me until I write them, until I see this this phrase on the page that I've written. And so many times when I'm writing uh, and I get into the flow and then I'll write something and I'll go, oh, wow, okay. You know, it like makes sense to me. That almost sounds like journaling. Some of my friends have told me that when they journal, uh, they just keep writing. And when they read back what they've written, it seems like they have offloaded your innermost feelings and that act itself just makes them feel better. But going back to you, um, and just tell us more. I had to throw that in. I've been, I've always been the kind of person that if I'm having some kind of issue or difficulty or pain, sharing that with somebody else just makes it easier to bear or makes it easier to think about. There's something that I have that, you know, by, by getting things out of my head feels like, okay, now I can deal with this. It's not just this thing that's like eating away at me. It's, it's tangible almost. It's something that I can deal with because I can see it written on a paper or because I've told somebody else about it. And so it's out there now. It's not just in my head. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but <laughs> no, it absolutely does because that's why, and that's why, right in the beginning, I said I can't wait to hear what you're going to say because that's exactly my perspective. Uh, my tagline for the podcast is 
stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. And yeah. you're really talking about um, the healing part of it. Mm-hmm. But I came, I came into this with the perspective that um, if you have a story to tell and you're sharing it with others, you're really sharing your innermost knowledge where if they are probably going through the same thing, they won't feel alone. They won't feel like they're, um, they're going through this alone. But what mm-hmm. you bring to this is the opposite. You're saying, when I share, I feel less burdened. I get clarity. So it, mm-hmm. it works both ways, which is, which is why stories are so beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I totally agree with your sentiment. And that is one of the things about doing the podcast for parents and caregivers of children with special needs, that that's the biggest feedback that I've heard is from sharing my story, but then from others sharing their story, uh, you know, this feedback that, wow, I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only one having these experiences or on this journey. And then, you know, I heard this story about another mom with a with a child with down syndrome and now i know like oh there's somebody else doing the same thing and so yeah that is that is the beauty of storytelling is that it really just opens up all these connections to people that you may not realize that you have a connection with so you know it really uh, storytelling is like the oldest form of medicine in a way i don't know or you know the oldest form of community building. It's just, it's so, it's so crucial to who we are as a species. Totally, totally with you there. Um, And and so, Anne, can you tell us from all of the, the, so from both these episodes, what is the life lesson that you came out with and that you can share with the listeners? Yeah. So I kind of, um, so the life lesson is, don't be afraid to share your story, but also to be genuine about it. That is an element that I really want wanted to express as well, is that we have to be true with our stories and what with what we're sharing. And I think especially in this age of social media and, you know, people can, you know, they take their pictures and then they can, you know, gloss them over and put these filters and they, you know, they can choose what they're sharing with the world. And, you know, and so many times it's this, it's this false image or this, this, this one little snippet of somebody's life. And then somebody else see, sees that and they think, oh, wow, they've got it all together. They've got it all figured out. And what do I have? I'm a mess. I don't, I can't take a picture like that. I, my family doesn't do that. And so we're really, I think, uh, doing a disservice in a way by, by having these, these platforms that we can gloss everything up. And so I really want to express the importance of being honest about your story and being genuine about your story, because when you're genuine, that's how you really find your people. And that is how people can really connect with you. And I think if, you know, we, we all love realizing that we're all struggling in a way, you know, that's that whole, um, you know, we just, that's how we connect and we don't connect with people that we can't relate to. And, uh, so yeah. So in a long, (laughs) in a big roundabout way, being genuine, be genuine 
And don't be afraid to share your story, whether it's up on stage performing a poem that you've been working on for months or whether it's, you know, the person you're sitting next to on the bus. You know, it's all important. Or, or even sharing it on a podcast. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> anyone out there who is inspired and motivated by Anne and wants to share their stories, please um, get in touch with me. Contact me at sharinglifelessons101 at gmail.com and we could have you on as a guest so you could share your um, stories with our listeners. With that, and thank you so much for uh, offering to be on the show. We had such a great dialogue. Uh, and folks, I have two things to say from everything that we've heard from Anne. Her life lesson is be genuine and share your story. And secondly, everyone has stresses. Everyone goes through grief and everyone has hardships you could have your own coping mechanism. So understand your own coping me mechanisms. It could be exercising. It could be walking. It could be meeting friends for coffee and drinks. It could be journaling or writing. It could be even crying for emotional release. It could be any of this and much, much more. Anne knows that her coping mechanism, her therapy, her meditation, and her counselor is writing. What is yours? Lastly, if any of you would like to listen to Anne's podcast or read her books, details of all of that are in the show notes. Also, if listeners would like to support this podcast for sustainability of future episodes, you could go to anchor.fm, hit the support button there and support it that way. Details of that are also in the show notes. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I have enjoyed recording it. I will bring you another episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be happy and be well.